0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington. Morning worship at 11 and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.briamshoreline.org. We're going to continue this morning we have been for those who have been visiting with us as our church we've been emphasizing memory verses, foundational 50 Verses we've been memorizing and learning together. And, uh, to open up this morning, uh, let's, let's review last week's verse together. Okay? Oh, can you read that print up there? There we go. That's the one, our foundational 50. Let's, let's go ahead and read together. Hebrews, if you know it, you can say four, whoops, did I do that? There we go. Hebrews 412. Say it with me now. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and hearts of God. That wasn't a trick for you memorizing. Cliff, is that on automatic advancement or something? I'm not doing anything. Okay, maybe I just wanted you to, to say it. Okay, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, we pray that uh, we would hear your words. And we pray, Lord, that as we consider your word, as we've been focusing uh, this, this section of verses on the word of God, uh, we just pause today and, uh, and thank you that we have your word. Uh, we do not worship your word. We worship you. And you have used your word to draw us to you, to enable us to know you better and to share the good news of salvation through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless this time together and bless our children as they gather around your word as well. In these next few moments, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, um, you, do, you know what the, do you consider yourself this morning Orthodox Christians? Huh? Yeah, you're not quite sure. You know, Are you Orthodox in your belief? You know, we think oftentimes of Orthodox as being a branch of Christendom, right? There's the Russian Orthodox, there's Eastern Orthodox, they're simply orthodox that are branches of Christendom. But the word itself, we're going to consider this morning uh, as, we, as we come to the end of our service today, that uh, are we orthodox in our belief? Are you an orthodox Christian? So I'd like to put up the verse for this week. We're going to try it now, see if it stays there. Okay. Our verse for this week, Hebrews. That was last week. Okay. No. All right. Here we go. Let's see what happens there. Our verse this week, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Some of you know this verse, of course, already, especially if you uh, were part of our Awana or Pioneer Girl program, uh, many of our children's ministries. I'd like you to open your Bibles this morning to Paul's second epistle, To Timothy. Second epistle to Timothy. Second Timothy is one that I hold dear in my heart. And I know that those who have served in, especially in ministry and pastoral ministry is one that uh, we hold dear because this is Paul's last epistle to Timothy who is going to inherit leadership in his ministry. He's not going to be the same apostolic figure and authority that Paul has been given. He did not leave us epistles. He did not leave us revelation. But the but Timothy is going to be sharing in Paul's ministry. And Paul is counting on Timothy to share this ministry and continue this ministry. This is why it's called one of the pastoral epistles. First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. We call them pastoral epistles. Letters written to individuals, not to churches, but written to an individual. Timothy. And our, our passage this morning is from Second Timothy chapter three. And I'd like us to look at verse fifteen, where Paul says to him, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And that leads into the verses that we are memorizing this week as you consider God's word in your life and for your family and for that of our church family. How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, and they make you wise for salvation. Timothy. Timothy's background. Um, Timothy's background, if we consider the book of Acts, let me just give you a little background. The Apostle Paul after he was converted on his way, of course, to persecute Christians, and he was converted, and God called him and changed his name to Paul and sent him out on the ministry to the Gentile world to share the good news of salvation, free for all Jew-Gentile, male or female, slave or free, as Paul says in Galatians, equally have access to God through simple faith in Christ Jesus. And that's what we preach from our church. We preach the grace of God. Amen? Amen? You are saved by God's grace alone. And everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome to receive that gift of salvation. Paul begins his missionary journeys. And on his first journey, in Acts chapter 14, as he and Barnabas go out, one of the places they go, and and, and they came on their journey into modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews, with their rulers, to mistreat them and to stone them, The apostles learned of it, and they fled to Lystra and Derbe. These were cities of Lycania. And to the surrounding country, and there they continued proclaiming the gospel, the good news. Now, they visited the city of, the cities of Derba and Lystra, Lystra, that were close, uh, close to each other. And then they finished their journey. They go back to Antioch, the sending church, Antioch, Assyria. And then they go out, this time uh, without Barnabas, with Paul and Silas, on a second missionary journey. And their goal is to go back and revisit the brothers and sisters in Asia Minor and to see how these churches are doing. When they were there, they founded churches and they ran into trouble in these places, many of them. Uh, and, and they were persecuted, but they founded churches and they left. And they left pockets of Christian believers with leaders who began to teach and he began to share the gospel and the churches began to grow. And so Paul says, let us go back and visit these churches and encourage them and build them up once again. So on their second missionary journey, they go back. And in Acts chapter 16, the very first verse, it says, Paul came to Derby, then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but his father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium Spoke well of him. Now, most of the Bible commentators are going to suggest to you that his father probably was not a believer, at least at this point, because the the fact that he says he was a Greek and does not say he was a believer like he does with a mother might indicate that Timothy's mother was a believer. She was a Jewish believer in Jesus Christ. If we go back to Acts chapter 14, where Paul first visited those cities and shared the gospel and out of a time of of, of, that he was there, that possibly his mother came to know Christ as Savior, and then Timothy came along and he was raised in that faith as well. So that might be the background of Timothy in his Christian faith. But you'll notice, you'll notice here in chapter three and verse fifteen that it says, "How from infancy you have known the holy Scriptures." Given that context, that his mother was Jewish. And given the fact that he was raised in the scriptures, obviously indicates his mother raised him in the Jewish faith. And as a Jewish young man by age five, and we dedicate our, our children like this, in this Jewish tradition, as far as we know, during this, this time of, of first century Judaism, around age five, the boys would have begun instruction in the Torah, in the five books of Moses. They would have began to be like we did with Bible instruction last week, only of course at a five-year-old level, begin to be taught the things of God. And the mother, in this case, normally would be the father, but given the fact that it's her mother who is the believer, she's probably the one who did the teaching. And Paul says, Timothy, I want to remind you that your story in God's Word goes back from the time you were an infant to a very young child. You have learned, and you notice, the Holy Scriptures. And in this case, that would have to be the Old Testament because when he was a child, there was no gospel writings and there were no epistles, there were no apostles yet. He would have been raised in those things, but he says they were able to lead you to salvation. How did those Old Testament scriptures lead Timothy as he grew up, how did they lead him to a place where he embraced the Christian faith and became a follower of Jesus Christ and a believer of Jesus Christ? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ, what did he use to teach What did the Apostle Paul used to teach? What did Peter use at Pentecost and in Acts chapter 3? What did Stephen use? They went back to the Old Testament. And they would see this pattern with the Apostles and with the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ was on the road to Emmaus, he opened up the Scriptures and he opened up their mind to the Scriptures. When he was on earth for 40 days after he rose from the dead, he took the Old Testament Scriptures and he went through those Scriptures and showed to the people how they prophesied that the Messiah would have to suffer and would have to die, and that he would raise from the dead. That wasn't clearly understood, but now they were beginning to understand that. And so as Timothy grew up in these Old Testament scriptures, and when Paul came and explained, as he always did, went to the synagogue and he explained to them and opened up the old, unrolled the scrolls, they would go to the, they would go to the ark and they would take the scrolls out of the ark. And even as today, they would bring them and unroll them on the podium. Most of the synagogues, the podium would be actually out here somewhere in the in the congregation. I always remember, one of the clear memories I have of my dad's synagogue is sitting like over in this area over here. And they would take and they would carry the the scrolls around the congregation. And, and the men would reach out and kiss it as it went by. Reach out and kiss it as it went by. And it would come by and they would sit here and they would unroll it and they would read it. And as, as Timothy, as Paul got there and he opened the scriptures... And he, and he showed them from the Old Testament scriptures how that Christ had to suffer, die, and rose from the dead and paid for their sins. His family believed, his mother believed. And Timothy was able to come to belief in Christ because he had that understanding and that background. And Paul says, listen, that was not the teaching for these little children. God honors this. Do you believe that? My words should not return what? Void. Void. And we teach these young children as we are going to help do as their family leads them, as we help and come alongside these children that just left here, God will bless his word. And God will use that in Timothy's case. He came to faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, Timothy, you have known from infancy the Holy Scriptures. They are able to make you wise. So when the Holy Spirit prompted and his heart opened, he received Christ and he received salvation. Wise to salvation. And you know, we talk about the scriptures in this context. What are we talking about now? When, when Paul writes to Timothy, Paul is toward the end of his life. It's toward the end of the apostolic era, at least for Paul. We believe the Apostle John lived longer, but as he comes toward the end of his life, what are the scriptures? What are the? We've been studying Galatians. We study Romans. We study Ephesians. Timothy served at Ephesus. What were the scriptures that they had? Did they only have the Old Testament? What were the scriptures? You know, we, we pretty well know from church history, and it's, it's, it's good evidence, that what you consider the New Testament, the Gospels, the Epistles, the Book of Acts, the Book of Revelation, they were certainly not circulating as a book during this New Testament era. It was probably the next century before they began to be put together. And, and you know, you gotta, you got to think about the, the times. you got to think about the availability of books, of parchments and the expense involved, and publication and printing or handwriting, excuse me, and printing and dispersing and gathering, and so this was a process. And so, in fact, most of the Bible scholars believe that the first the first collection to actually begin to circulate into these churches around the Bible world were the epistles of Paul, including Hebrews for whatever reason that whatever you think on that, that's the way it was. Okay, uh, they began to circulate as a body. The Gospels were collected and circulated. The book of Acts, eventually they were all put together. But when Paul writes to Timothy, what were the scriptures? Well, I think there is an understanding. Certainly the Old Testament writings are the scriptures. However, they had records already, of course, and, and, um, and those who heard and could repeat and kept track of the sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ. That would certainly be considered the word of God. Wouldn't it? The teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know the apostles recognized each other. Second Peter. You can look this up. Second Peter chapter 4 and verse 16. The apostle Peter refers to Paul's writings and he says, Things that our brother Paul wrote to you that are difficult to understand, but people have taken and twisted them as they do other scriptures. So there was an understanding among the apostles that as they received revelation from God and they shared that revelation, they were on the authority of Scripture. And so as we talk about Scripture with 1 Timothy and uh, 2 Timothy here, even toward the end of Paul's life, they did not have the Bible. They had the Old Testament. They did not have the New Testament. But they had the Word of God and they understood and they believed that it was Scripture from God. And so we go to verse 16, that we're memorizing this week. Verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed, or the word inspired. You may find in your translations. It's inspired. It's God-breathed, and it's useful. God-breathed, theonoustos, the idea of theos being God, pneumatos, the spirit, the word for spirit, for for wind and for spirit and for breath. Whew, God breathed. We in our church, we stand in the evangelical tradition that we have a high view of Scripture. We believe that all the Bible is inspired by God. And that What God wants us to have for revelation is here in the Word of God that He has given us. You don't need more revelation from me. I am not an apostle. I have nothing new to give you that's not in here. What I'm here to do, and what our teachers and leaders, whether it's early childhood, children, adult ministries, what we are doing in helping one another to explain God's Word, to consider God's Word, to apply God's Word, to learn God's Word, to make the connections in God's Word. I have nothing new. I do not bring new revelation to you. We do not teach that because this is God's final authority for faith and practice. As I mentioned in my prayer, we do not worship the Word. We worship God. And the Holy Scriptures are used by God to tell us what He wants us to know and how we are to live and to to bring our lives to Him and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. All, but we do believe. We believe when Paul finished writing to Timothy, by the miracle of inspiration, God's breath, that God's Holy Spirit as Peter said, carried along the, 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 the prophets. And he says, and the prophets wrote, they were borne along by the Holy Spirit. They were carried along by the wind. We do not believe in a mechanical inspiration. I mean, we don't believe in our church that, that the apostles just started writing down and didn't even know what they were doing and all of a sudden, phew, there it was. We believe that all the epistles, all the letters, the gospels, the Old Testament, they all were within a context oftentimes written to, like in this case, Timothy, written to a specific reason for a specific person in a specific ministry. But when all was said and done, what was produced, because it was God-breathed, was for all time for us to have and apply to our lives as well. This is God's Word. We believe that in this church. Yes, we believe this is God's Word. And the Bible here says, all Scripture, now there is There are some who would teach, and there are some linguistic things here that you have to work through in the Greek language. It was written in Greek. It's translated into English. And there's the possibilities of different ways of translating it. One is, every scripture that is inspired is useful. That's a little different. If I said to you, every scripture that is inspired is useful, as opposed to all scripture is inspired, because... The former, every scripture that is inspired maybe holds out the possibility that you could decide which is and which isn't. And so we, we stand in the tradition again of the evangelical, historical evangelical faith that we believe that all scripture is inspired by God. You believe that? All scripture is inspired by God. And then Paul says this, it's useful if there's a reason. It's practical. God, th- these are just not holy books that, that, that only priests and learned people. This, these books were written in the everyday language of the people. They were written for the people, they were given to the people. And they were taught to the people in the tradition of Ezra and Nehemiah, when they read the word, when they dedicated the the temple after they came back from exile, and the elders went around the congregation and, and explained to people. They would read it from the pulpit, and they would gather around it and explain what it meant. This is going on all over this world today. All over this world today, people are gathering around God's word and discussing it, talking it, learning about it. Because this is what we are called to do. It is useful it is useful. Notice what it's useful for. He gives particularly four things here. He says all Scripture is inspired. It's God breathed, and it's useful for teaching, for teaching. And this would be yes, what we might call the didactic, nurturing instruction. I am te- this is called a sermon. I'm preaching today, but I consider it I'm teaching God's word. This is why we're committed to bringing Bible Church to teaching God's word. This is why we open our church up to ministries like Bible Study Fellowship. Uh, they take over our church all day Tuesday. We have Chinese Christian Fellowship that meets here on Wednesday and Saturday because these are ministries that are, that are committed to teaching God's Word. And we feel that this is very valuable because this is what we are called to do. This is what we are about. We are here to, to teach God's Word. This is the final authority for our, what you believe and what you do. And so, we, yes, we do that. We don't apologize for it. But I want you to notice the second thing: it's useful, it's usable for teaching, for reproof. And in the case of Timothy, if you read the, the entire uh, epistle to Timothy, you will find that the issue is they're dealing with false teaching. They're dealing with people. You, you see earlier in this chapter, he addresses him in particular. He talks about these people who are who are causing problems and in verse eight he, he refers to them he says just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses, these men also oppose the truth. Who are Janus and Jambres? You ever read about them in the Old Testament? You do, yes. Because it's in the Jewish literature that is that, that is developed Names these guys, and they name the, 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 priests and the magicians of Pharaoh that opposed Moses, they named them as Janus and Jambres. So every Jew that read this, every Jew that read what Paul wrote knew what he was talking about. He's talking about those magicians who were, who were, who falsely opposed Moses and did those sleight of hand miracles or by a cult, whatever, they opposed Moses. And so this is the context. False teaching, and Paul says, Timothy, God's word is useful for teaching. You can also use it to challenge false teaching. If someone comes into your midst and teaches something that is not consistent with what the Old Testament and what Jesus Christ taught and what the apostles are now teaching, it's wrong. You can you can check that. It's useful for teaching, for reproof. We might say apologetics. Thirdly, it's used for correcting. And the word here for correcting has the idea of restoring to a former state. Some of you have um, issues right now with broken bones. Uh Sherwood Sherwood came in with the thing on his foot today, right? Um, things like that. What the point, why do you wear that boot? It's to correct what happened, to bring it to its former state. And that's what the scripture can be used for. As we talk about God's word, if we get off course, if you and your life get off course, if I get off course, I'm struggling with it. God's word can, can bring me back, bring me back to where I need to be. God's word can be used for that. And finally, notice what it says, for training for righteousness. This is positive discipline. Of those four, teaching. Many people think the word of God is only for teaching, but notice the rest of it. Reproof, correction, training in Righteousness. Why? What is the context? Instead, we talked about about Timothy's background as well. Now, before we, and and, and of course, before we get to the last verse, I want you to back up just for a minute. We're kind of working backwards to this passage. But could you look at verse 14? Paul says this, Timothy, as for you, this is before he talks about the word of God, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, why? Because you know those from whom you learned it. I want you to notice this connection here. He says, Timothy, you've been convinced not only of what you've learned, but from whom you've learned it. This context, friends, of how we learn God's word is its more than just me independently. It's its with the family of God. What was it in Paul's case? Back up a little further. Back up to verse 10. The apostle Paul says to Timothy, you, Timothy, after he's talked about Janus and Jambres and those who oppose God, he says, you, however, you know all about my teaching, And, please notice, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance, and the persecutions and sufferings, what kind of things happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, your hometown, Timothy. Remember, you saw it. You witnessed it at Lystra. The persecutions I endure, yet the Lord rescued me from all them. And them. In fact, notice he says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, remember from whom you learned these things. You witnessed my life. It was not just what I said to you. It's how I lived. You know the authenticity of the gospel message because you saw it in my life. You saw how I responded even to persecutions and how I still responded in faithfulness. He's not bragging here. He's not bragging. He's just dealing with the reality. This is what we do as believers. And he demonstrated to Timothy, because you know what? Timothy is going to suffer persecution. You can't think he didn't suffer. I mean, he's in this first generation. These apostles, except for maybe one, all were martyred. They were slaughtered. They were killed. Paul was killed. Do you think Timothy was not persecuted? Because he was right there as Paul's heir apparent, if you will, in terms of leadership. And he's preparing him for this. He says, you know how I lived. You saw this in me. So when Paul says, Timothy, you know from whom, it's plural, from whom you received these things. You know who you received them from. Remember my life. But also, I want to say this as we close for Mother's Day. Who else did he learn them from? Chapter 1 of Timothy. Chapter 1 of 2nd Timothy. Verse 3. Verse 4. Paul says, I recall your tears. I recall your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, your genuine faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois. And in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. A significant part of those from whom Paul knew the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ was his grandmother and his mother. And you almost get the impression that the order was when, when Paul ministered in Lystra that grandmother Lois, a Jew, came to Christ. And then her daughter Eunice came to Christ, and then her son Timothy came to Christ. Listen, friends, the community of faith that we are part of—family, family—is one of the primary places where faith is nurtured. If I, if I were to dare, if I were to ask in this congregation, how many of you? were raised, if you will, as, as we are going to do with the Bunn family, that were raised in Christian context. How many of you came to Christ in that context? And I bet there would be all sorts of you that would, like me, would say, that's where, I, that's where I'm from. Not everyone. And when God brings somebody to Christ who never had that context, they begin that context anew. And, and God's Word goes forward this way. And I just want to remind you on this Mother's Day, for mothers for grandmothers, for fathers too, and grandfathers, for church family. Listen, friends, the faith community is so important for the authenticating of the Word of God to our lives. It's important that our children and young people, that they are here with others. It's important that we are multi-generation. It's important that my grandkids know people generation older than me who are part of their lives, it authenticates when we talk about what we believe, but we also live. They're not looking for perfection. Your children aren't looking for perfection. They're not dumb. Your teenagers aren't looking for perfection. They are looking for authenticity. Do you really live what you believe? Yes, we make mistakes. And part of that authenticity is how we respond to those mistakes, how we apologize, how we commit to working things out, to coming back together, to restoration, to reconciliation. This is part of the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, it is so important that our children are raised in a community of faith. It is so important that you as a family are a community of faith. And that Paul, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Apostle Paul can say to us, you know what you believe, and you also know the context from where you received it. You witnessed it. You witnessed it. When, when as we talked this week, when, when you know, when I visited with Ruth yesterday, her son, not even fifty-six days short of fifty-six years old, called to be home with the Lord like that. And here is a dear saint that that that, that has been part of our church family. How? Huh? It hurts, it hurts. But there is no doubt in her mind. You could as we talk, there is no doubt in her mind. He's in the Lord's presence and he is in the Lord's care. This last week, our dear sister Doris was called home to be with the Lord. And we talk about the fathers of our church. We have mothers too. And Doris Nelson was one of those mothers of my church of my context. And I witnessed in her life, I don't know how many times as young people, we went out to their Lake Washington place and how they hosted us and were—and just so gracious with us and treated us so wonderful. I witnessed in her life the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, friends. This is what our children and young people need. This is what you need. It is important. Can you do Christianity by yourself? Who needs the church? I think we need the church. I think we need to be around each other. We need to interact. We need to share generations. We need to share our stories. We need to share our faith. We need to be authentic and not just teach, but live it so that our young people understand this really matters. Orthodoxy. Are you an Orthodox Christian? The word orthodoxy simply means a belief or a way of thinking that is accepted as true or correct. I trust we are Orthodox Christians. I trust that's the case. But there's another word, orthopraxy, rightness of action, right doing, practical righteousness, correct practice. This is what we're talking about today. Isn't it? All Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God, the person of God, of course we know Paul means man or woman, The person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, in this particular case, the man of God, because Timothy is going to step into that role, it is important. And that may be why he uses that phrase specifically there. But we can apply this to our life. With all is said and done, God is outfitting us. He's outfitting us completely. God has given you everything you need, friends, to serve him. And to live a life pleasing to him. And enjoy that relationship. And he will give it to our children as well. Do you believe that? Amen. All scripture is God breathed. But thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. And I really mean this. That I have been raised in a faith community where I look back at my fathers and mothers, my brothers and sisters in the Christian faith that have been a part of my life. They authenticated what it means to be a Christ one. And I give God thanks for that. Let's close our service. Gary, let's close our service and we finish off this maid. Thank you for coming today. Wonderful, blessed Mother's Day to all the women in the church. You are mothers of this church. We thank you for that. Um, Of course, as I read this passage, it's a little personal. My mother's name was Eunice as well, as Timothy's was. Uh, My wife's name is Teresa. My kids have a Christian mother. A Christian mother-in-law, Ostrid, I had. I'm so thankful for the context of my life, of the Christian women who are part of my life and who have been faithful to God. And I'm thankful for the ladies of this church, God bless you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day that we are a family. Those who are visiting today, they know Christ the Savior. They are part of the family of God. They are part of our family. We raise our kids together. We serve together. We pray together. We cry together. We are a community of faith. We are not perfect. We're weak. We make mistakes. But we have the Holy Spirit in our midst. We are a faith community. And Lord, I just thank you today for the privilege of our children, our grandchildren, being part of a faith community where they can not only hear, but they can see the Christian faith in action. May we walk with you. May we live for you. As we leave this place today, Lord, if there be any person here who does not know Christ the Savior, might they look to you Look to the cross of Calvary, where our Savior died and paid for our sins. And might they look to you and receive forgiveness for sins by simply saying, Yes, I wish to receive Christ as my Savior and Lord. Friend, if you'd like to talk more about that, I would love to talk to you after the service. Pastor Kevin was up here, Pastor Gary's up here. Either one of us would love to talk with you and share more about that. We gather today in the wonderful name of our Savior, what a beautiful name, Jesus Christ. Our Savior, our Lord, we love you and we leave this place walking in your name this week. And all God's people can say together, Amen. Amen.